Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 27 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Teas, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler Long Live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Back episode number 27. Big things popping. World's opening up. Bull riding's coming back. Look out, man. Here we go. First, though, we'll get to the boys. Jason Davidson, how you doing today? Good to have you back. You're feeling better. I am, LT. Yeah, <laughs> shit. I was so damn tired that night, a little sleepy. I couldn't catch up with you guys in the last one. I apologize. My apologies. Where are we? Number 27? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Really? Number 27. Well, we got to throw that one back to the Brandon Weeking days when Michael Furland used to terrorize. Yeah. And I mean, terrorize the Western League with that yeah. number two seven on his back. Just fucking people up. Just <laughs> don't. Go by me with your head down. Uh, what's new? What have you been doing? You've been busy? You've been rolling? What's going down? Oh, <laughs> have I been busy? There's a one-legged duck swim in a circle. I have been going, trying to make us all uh, better off. Let's put it that way. You got a lot of stuff going on. Hopefully, we got some great announcements coming. Um, yeah, it's good news. Calgary Stampede sounds like it's going to go. PBR Canada champion Dakota Butter is getting by to go represent us. A uh, couple more 3D athletes will be competing, obviously. Zeke Thurston in the oh. saddle bronc ride. And then we got Jared Parsonage and Zane Lambert in the bull ride. So that's uh, that's exciting for the guys. Um, yeah, and then I think we got an event next week in Prince Albert or something. Okay, boys. Yes, yeah. Can't wait though. We got to introduce Scott. Forgot Scott. Jesus Christ, you're here too. How you Jeez. doing? Man? I'm good, fellas. I'm good. Yeah, exciting stuff going on. I hear it's the rumblings are are happening. Be getting phone calls. The Cowboys wanting clothes, and so I knew shit was opening up when that started happening. Yeah, so. yeah, good stuff. Okay, yeah, nice. you bet. How did they decide the, the guys, Jason? Do you have any insights on that, of, of how it all lined out? Yeah, I believe it went off PRCA and CPRA standings because uh, it is now sanctioned PRCA and CPRA. Um, invites went out yesterday. Um, long list of protocols and rules. I think the from what I understand with my conversations with Keenan, there's still a little bit of a moving target on the quarantine yeah. which will be a concern for the U.S. guys, um, obviously, because everything's open down there. They can win. Well, you know, I think yeah. the most money ever won over the fourth is around 40-some, 50-some thousand. So um, that's going to be a tough decision, a real tough decision. Are they and keeping, I, are they keeping I, the purse the same? Is that all the same? Yeah, as far 000? as I know, that's, that's okay. all the same. Uh, um, um, and you have to be fully vaccinated. That was part of the contract, apparently. Child, wow. Yeah. There's your fucking yeah. drama. I wonder how many of the American guys will even yeah. vaccinated, right? Or Canadian yeah. guys, right? Yeah, they'll uh I think that's gonna that's gonna be a hard no for some of them. In fact, I'm pretty certain it is, but that's their decision, right? Yep. So might I guess be for might be for some Canadians too. There might be some people that have held yeah. up, you know. Yeah. Oh, what do you think that the, do you think that, uh, I don't know, lots of those American guys will come up and then it'll be filling holes through, there was a bunch of 
drama, not drama, but there was some talk on the internet of guys over all the years, everybody's complained that we haven't had enough Canadians at the Calgary Stampede. And now there's the complaints that it won't be as good of a rodeo because it's all yeah. Canadian guys. So yeah. nobody fucking, everybody just wants to bitch about something. But well, I could see it. it being a lot of like tons and tons of Canadian guys going down the list. Huge opportunities for even young Canadian yeah. guys to get into the stampede that maybe never would have had that opportunity before if lots of the American guys can't come up. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And then they've got to be in a bubble there of some sort, like uh, I guess where they're camped, that'll be all considered the bubble. Um, if I want to go watch, I got to go watch it. I can't, I wouldn't be able to do what I've done in the past and, and just pick up my pass and, and go see any of the guys. I wouldn't be able to see any of the athletes until they were done Saturday after loser Saturday or after they're uh, done competing Sunday. That's the only time you can shake hands with anybody. So it, it's going to be a different atmosphere that way for sure. Calgary will do an outstanding job for the guys that do go there. I know that they've always have. So uh, I wish them luck. I hope they can, I hope they pull it off because I think it's, 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 the, they're going to pave the way for the rest of us um, to get, to get back to work here a bit. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you won't, you won't be able to like leave the sponsor tent and saunter to the next stop and the next stop and the next stop like the it's old fucking party. Yeah. No, but you can probably still leave the tent and beat somebody up in the tunnel though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as long as we're in the, as long as we're in, do that, Scott. Yeah. As long as we're in the same bubble, we can do whatever we want. Yeah, that's right. Is that subject to to change though? It, with the regulations opening up, if the whole fucking world, like they're talking, is supposed to be opened up by end of June, then why the fuck would you have to follow or do any of that yeah. stuff if that's not even regulation? Well, that's that's the moving of the goalposts. That you know, like you know, Quebec was in such dire. Uh, COVID rules, and they get twenty five hundred people, and then it was a last minute thing that that uh, Toronto could have 500 healthcare workers that had been dual vaccinated, like had both shots. And now I believe Winnipeg's going to let uh, yeah. a handful. I think it's the same model as, uh, as Toronto. It's, it's um, no shit. Uh, frontline workers, yeah. healthcare workers with, with two shots. So, and, and, and as much, or we're appreciative of the healthcare workers, but like, you said earlier, Tanner, everybody wants to bitch about something. Now people are mad because why should those 500 be able to go and we can't go here and we can't see. So I, man, here we go again, right? Mm-hmm. Fucking world, man. Fuck. Oh God. Well, hopefully it gets cleared up. So that'd be good. And fucking more drama with the Calgary Stampede as well is the cancellation Chuck of wagon. the Chuck wagon. It's only fuck. There's yeah. some uproar. Did you see, uh, I think it was Kurt Benzmiller had a did yeah. an article and he mentioned, I think he mentioned Keenan's name right in it, which is. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I saw that. Is that a sec? I read the first one where um, they felt that the rug was pulled out from underneath him. I think those were the exact words that the first they had heard about it was in the, was in the news release or the press release. They hadn't yeah. had yeah. any word from, from their management or leadership on it, but no, I didn't. Is that yeah. a second one that come out then? There's a few. There's a bunch. They're all obviously in an uproar. That's 
probably how most of them make their living throughout the year. Correct. Oh, so, well, yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and they'll be huge yeah. for sure. And they'll be kind of careful, I guess, on what, how they're wording stuff, because that's all an invite, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to <laughs> voice your opinion too much. You might uh, never go back. You'll end period. up like, you'll end up like Don Cherry. Yep. Yes, Rob right. Spets end up like Spets. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> and the Mickey Mouse outfit. Yeah, that's right. What do you guys think of that? Of the what was what you know the reasoning behind the, the chuck wagons not going? It can't be COVID related because they're gonna try to bubble the other stuff. What do you guys think that the actual reasoning behind it was? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go with him. <laughs> you know what though? Uh you talk about a blow to the drivers. That's a blow to the Stampede's bottom line. Fuck, that's huge. Been, the chuck we, wagons are bigger than the rodeo, really, for yeah, like yeah. fan base Capacity. and all. Yeah. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but I think with the wagons, it was just going to be too much to to choreograph. Do you think that's? I that's hope that's what it is. I hope. I hope that's what it is, and I hope they haven't succumbed to the Animal Rights Act. Right. That's what yeah. I hope. Um, you know, Calgary's done an excellent job with that over the years i've been right in the middle of it with keith merrington for several years when i when i was uh, working with him out in front of the shoots so you know we always uh we always talked about what was going on and and that was never an easy easy job <laughs> ever yeah. you know they uh they face a lot of backlash when when a horse goes down or even in the rodeo if a horse goes down sure oh, yeah. um, well let's, but, let's let's face it the last year and a half has been an animal as far as our industry is concerned has been an animal rights activist dream right uh yeah. like what are, they've probably been just bored you yeah. know there's been nothing yeah. to fight yeah but hopefully they weren't loading ammunition and their whole well, would want to say that story hopefully they weren't uh getting their shit in order and coming back stronger than ever right but yeah i don't uh, you're right scott i i hope that's all that it was was the fact that they don't they didn't think they could keep that contained but uh unfortunately but, i'm not but, i'm not buying it because the calgary stampede moved mountains in 2013 to have that rodeo yeah i was there you got yeah. you guys were there i uh, you know it was amazing what they did to to deliver yeah. that product to the city and to the to the world yeah. um so i i don't know I hope I hope it's a case of that because, you know, we grew up uh, when we rodeoed um, all them good rodeos we did, you know, Strathmore, Pinocchio, Grand Prairie, um, it's Calgary. I love it. You know, you go to Grand Prairie, you'd fight bulls in front of 300 people and then then you'd be drinking with 3000 at six o'clock when the wagon yeah. started right yeah um and you and you got relationships you know with the glasses the dorchesters you know we used to hang around the barns with those guys they're you know they're good people and they're just they're passionate about what they do and you know like us they've been they've been they never got to race anywhere last year we at no. least got to do a little bit of work they did nothing yep. and now what do they got to look forward to when you know they're 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 out training and feeding those horses they're investing time and money into, into, uh, you know, what they thought was going to be their first race back. And now they're uh, not. I wonder if that's no. a part of it too, is that the, the, they haven't been racing. So they were worried that stuff was the horses. Well, that, ready. that, that was brought up, but I think Kurt, like he said, we've been exercising. Like there's yeah. always a first race yeah, and, yeah. We're ready, and we're ready for it. So yeah. point. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, I think I think it was uh, there was a lot of guys banking on it and maybe passed up some other opportunities to train horses, especially for that. And uh, I think you know that uh, that hurt. This one hurts. Yeah. And then with Pinocchio yesterday announcing to to not necessarily cancel but to push back, there again that was possibly another race that they could have been in so yeah i feel for those guys you know what they got a lot invested in their rigs and their mm. horses and what's their going horses. on with pinoka i didn't see that pinoka stampede postponed i just saw that this morning really yeah postponed yeah indefinitely or what does it say no they're well, uh they're i think they're considering gonna try to reschedule but here's what's gonna happen in the fall there's already some rodeos that have and we're there's just not enough daylight in september yeah. october to to get everybody worked in there. So we'll, we'll be announcing our schedule next week, which is exciting. We've had it. It's been sitting on my bulletin board here for 60 <laughs> days or more. So I'm, I'm ready to get it out. Um, we're in good shape. Saskatoon's on sale. Okay, right. uh, out of the gates, like a champ too. you know, nice. we're up 70 some percent on ticket sales. So that's, that's, you know, that's telling me that people are ready Fucking to uh, yeah. get back and elbow to elbow and have a beer in the seats and cheer on some good PBR Canada action. Yeah. Wait, Jason, don't don't keep pumping it up like that. Tanner was going to jump out of his chair and make a round with it there. I see him. <laughs> ready to fight one already. I'm just ready to get to the long I might, I might the just make a round out of one, too. <laughs> <laughs> just a muley, though. It's yeah. Be yeah. 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 An, an older one. An older yeah. One. Oh. oh, Sneaky Weasel Lager. If you're looking for a smooth, refreshing beer this weekend, grab yourself a Sneaky Weasel Craft Lager. This mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 ABV, but goes down crisp and clean. This beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration, fun in the sun, and good times with friends. This beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFB podcast. Boys, we'll be smashing those here in a week or so. Tanner oh, Byrne Invitational. I, Tanner okay. Byrne. I, a couple hats. I need a hoodie. And I need, well, what? You know, I must be up to about a dozen cases of Sneaky Weasel by now. Yep. I, I've just been keeping them, keeping them uh, warm for you. Keeping them cold Scott, for you. <laughs> Scott can bring me some Wrangler. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's going to be like Christmas for a yes, boss papa, eh? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm heading uh, heading there tomorrow to see my granddaughter. Oh, yeah? Nice, congrats. Game on? Yeah. Oh, yeah, game on in Kelowna. Yeah, the family of four, just shy of $4,000 to fly to Kelowna and back. Oh, perfect. Nice. Yeah, they're, trying to, <laughs> they're trying to make up for what they lost in two weeks, what they lost in the last 15 months. Apparently. Are you shitting me? Four grand for a family of four. Thousand. Nine hundred and uh, here it's right here. So what you're saying is I should dig the Honda out from behind the steel shed and get her running again because I can't afford to fly. Yeah, $973 a flight. Oh wow. Jesus. Not bad. Bargain. It's a goddamn bargain. Yep. Yeah, but you pro you're probably flying knowing you, you're flying first class though. No. No. Oh shut up. No, well, one, we're on the two by two WestJet flight. There's no oh, such thing as first oh, class in that okay. like that bottle of water, I can buy one of those for <laughs> <laughs> they're still probably eight bucks in the airport but that's yeah. better than 190 or 300 upgrades no thanks right gotcha i'll sit i'll sit sutton beside me and twyla and jackson go across the aisle i'll have enough room with sutton yeah it'd be set 
I'll spread out. Yeah. Jason, what about uh, Ethan Bear? Can you give us a little bit of insight on that? Mm-hmm. You're his uh, agent, for those that don't know, and there's been a lot of controversy, news, uh, stuff going on within Ethan Bear's world. Can you kind of fill us in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, after game, actually during game four, his girlfriend, uh, Lene Jeanette, uh, manages, I work closely with her because a few of our endorsement deals like the Chevy Good Deeds Cup and whatnot uh, requires Instagram posts and whatnot. Um, and Ethan deleted most of his social media here probably in the last six months, which is good. I, I strongly suggest all athletes do that, especially in hockey markets like Toronto, Edmonton, you know, places like that because the fans are are ruthless but this wasn't about fans making comments online for the whole world to see these were direct messages to uh ethan's instagram account that were live while the game was on i was watching the game and lanasia forwarded it to me and it's just very tasteless ignorant immature i don't even know what the exact word I would want it, you know, to describe what was being said. It was just like, uh, so amateur, immature and selfish. So uh, we kept it from Ethan for a day just so he could, you know, you know, obviously after a loss like that being swept, he probably wasn't in the greatest of moods and, you know, and then have enough, you know, um, do exit meetings the next day with management. Then we told them and, and then I made the Oilers aware. So the Oilers have it now. Um, you know, Ethan was, Ethan dealt with it like a true professional, I thought, um, where, you know, I don't think Ethan really wanted to pursue anything at the start. And I just said, you know what, for, for me, my advice to you, Ethan, is I, I said, I think we should find out who this person is and make sure they never enter a hockey arena ever again in North America. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There should be consequences for hit and send on something like that. And uh, Ethan agreed. So that's where we're at now. Um, but yeah, they had a great rally outside of Rogers. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yep. Uh, yeah, hundreds of people showed up and uh, Ethan made a, a drive by, which I thought was real solid on his part to do that. So Ethan's a great kid. And he's got an even better family and support system around him. And the Oilers have done an outstanding job, you know, protecting him and, and looking out for him in that regard too. So from the outside looking in, I, I truly believe he, there's more good has come of that than yes. bad. You know what I mean? On the yeah, positive aware, side. Awareness. Uh, well, and support so, and yeah, everything else, yeah, right? For sure. Like you kiss know, my ass. If you want to say that here, look who's on the good side here. I'm the guy. Right. I was I was talking with one of the guys up on high end management with with the Oilers that I have a pretty good relationship with, and I said, you know, in the old days we just sorted that shit out behind the barn, and that's yeah. what, you know, what if there was more of that, like one to the teeth, and or one to the nose, I think there'd be less brave people behind a keyboard typing that shit. That's yeah. what social media has done. It's allowed people to be uh, cowards behind a keyboard which you know what that shows your your true color i know we had a we've had a few good talks with our kids about this that stuff you can't take away when you hit send it's out there and mm-hmm. you don't want that coming back to haunt you 
for you know, fucking we're, ever, we're this, forever. It's out yeah, there. like this, this, this person that did this, you know, he could be, who's going to employ that person. Yeah, Who would sure. take that on? Yeah. Who yeah. would take that, that person on and that headache if somebody knew that, you know, company XYZ just hired the guy that was sending the racial slurs to Ethan Bear? They'd get roasted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so it, I was kind of confused at the start there. It, it was definitely a fan. It was not internal. Like, it wasn't happening on the ice, right? It was someone no. from outside. Yeah, it was a direct okay. message to his okay. Instagram account. So it would have been somebody at home watching it on TV because it was, you know, like I said, it. I had it on my phone I screwed the screenshot before the game was even over. So, um, yeah, it's just not fair. It's and racist comments it, towards Ethan. Correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's so tasteless, amateur, immature. Like, again, I'm, I'm struggling with the right word. Disgusting. Yeah. Filthy, the word. Mind blowing Filth. that people yeah. fucking want to yeah. have the time to fucking sit there yeah. and type that shit out. Like their fucking opinion matters. Like you said, you warriors. If people, if people put a quarter of the effort in that any of these professional athletes, any athletes we represent, let's say, for example, no matter what their skin color is, because I don't look at, there are guys, there are clients, there are, we, you know, we go to war forum and negotiations, no matter what their last name is, where they're from. If, if these people put in a quarter of the effort to succeed at something, the world would be a better place. Yeah, exactly. and, and, but they can't, they're fucking failures. There, I said an F word. That might be the first one on this <laughs> podcast I've ever said. That's what they are to me. They're, they're complete failures. Yep. And they deserve, they deserve exactly what they're going to get. You know, yep. it kind of gets me warmed up because it's my job to protect these guys, yep. you know, as best you can. And when you know the sacrifices made, you know, I've represented Ethan since he's 14 years old. So mm-hmm. we got a pretty solid relationship and I've been there through the good times, the bad. Um, and I know how much his family supports him, how much Linasia supports him. And it's not, they don't deserve that either because it's not just Ethan. It's his teammates, it's his organization. And, and most importantly, it's him and his family. Yeah, exactly. That is a good conversation to have with your kids as well. But with what you put out there stays out there forever. So you're 30 years old. Uh, you somebody's looking you up or tries to figure out who you are and they see a post or a tweet that you made when maybe you were 18 or 19, you're a total different person, right? Like life changes. We all, our opinions, mindsets, everything changes. But when it's on that internet, as soon as somebody reads that, that's what they think you are, you know, and that might've been 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you might not feel that same way or, or, you know, you just put something stupid out there. Well, that's fucking seems like yesterday to the person that's reading that. Right. So. And not just social media LT it's uh, I'm I'm not going to bring the kid's name up, but Arizona had to, they rescinded a draft pick um, because of some bullying incident that happened three years ago. Yep. So the kid gets drafted. He thinks he's part of the Arizona Coyotes organization. Somebody comes forward about a bullying incident that was, you know, you can read about it and they, they, you're done. Yep. You're done. I won't uh, say names on it, but I know lots of times when we were, when I, you know, doing PR and promotional work for the PBR at the highest level, uh, there was a time when a guy was, was supposed to go to the top of the space needle and do a promotional uh, event up top there in Seattle and the the people that run the social media for the 
or the space needle went back in this guy's history and found a, it was just a retweet, but it was something about Barack Obama being president. And it was like eight years earlier and they kiboshed and wouldn't let him. Yeah. Wrong town to do that. Yeah. Wouldn't let him be a part of the. Well, the arena is going to be called climate pledge arena. So yeah, you know, (laughs) I would stay away. (laughs) This was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't stay away from any Republican comments in Seattle. Yeah, but there has been lots of guys throughout the years that, you know, will be lined up to do something and then they won't be able to because of something that, you know, is indifferent from what that company um, believes in or talks with. And yeah, you yeah. just got to be really, really careful of what you're doing or else fucking, you know, if that's what you're going to do, there's lots of guys that do that that are just, you know, say what they want to say and suffer the consequences from it. So. Yeah, it's a it's a new world yeah. fucking shit that that everybody's trying to figure out what the best way to go about it is. But racial comments are never fucking That's... okay, ever fucking okay, especially um, direct messaging like trying to really hurt somebody like that takes a fucking yeah, terrible human being. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That's why I find it's better if you don't know how to retweet or you know, <laughs> yeah. or and, yeah. and you got to get your kids to help you and they're like what what and i'm like yeah well see there it you go. only takes know. one screenshot from the wrong person and you think you have it deleted and it'll come back to haunt you yeah for sure i think our prime minister's got a few of those well, yeah he seems to get away with it black yeah every fucking thing he seems to do he seems to get fucking pushed under the rug for some reason so Who's coming up today? Who do Luke we got? Snyder, Luke. The man, the yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, what a man. great human. What yep. a great human. Always enjoyed having that guy in Canada. Just a true pro. Yep. Full fledged. You know what? All our kids listening, there's the role model for you. We and we've had a few of them on this on this episode, but uh, for me, Tanner did. Yeah, you'd be just a kid when Luke was coming up here competing. Scott, I got to you, share a locker room with him when I was yeah, 18, 19. Yeah. I got to yeah, spend some yeah, time. Yeah, uh, I would definitely put him in probably the top three to five ambassadors for the sport. Yeah. 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 That's why he was inducted into the Ring of Honor right after he retired was, uh, yeah, he was a great bull rider and, and uh, you know, did so much in the sport, but the ambassador that he was outside of the sport. And they talk about how that, that ring of honor is about guys that represent what they're all about, right? What the PBR is about. And that guy was fitted to the T true professional, mm-hmm. awesome guy, um, you know, made, made a name for the PBR all across the world and himself. And yeah, fuck outstanding dude. And love to have fun. Yep. <laughs> That's why he fits in the NFP crew. Scotty, yeah, I got a good, uh, a good Luke story that we didn't um, bring up in the in the interview with him that we'll get to here pretty soon. But he used to come up to our our school every year. So when I was like eighteen ish, uh, Jesse would would do the bullfighting part. Jesse and Bo and my dad, and then uh, me and Luke. And Typos one Chad best plug would do the bull riding side of it, but it was Luke's school. It was Luke Snyder, Jesse mm-hmm. Burton school. Yeah. So I kind of talk about it a little bit, I think, in the interview, but just how much I learned through that school without, you know, thought I was going to be the one helping put on, put it on and just blew my mind with, holy fuck, I don't actually understand how to ride bulls. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and learned the proper techniques through Ty and through Luke. And it was just so amazing. But with that, we always had really good times as well. And, oh, uh, I heard about <laughs> him. I heard about him. <laughs> One time, Luke was, we were flying from, he was flying from, he was on a hunting trip in Australia and then New Zealand and then flew right from there to Saskatoon. And me and Posse picked him up in Saskatoon to come into the school for the week. So he was rolling pretty hard in the paint and you can imagine the jet lag and the different time changes and you just be out of fucking sorts. He did, you know, not knowing where you're at or what's going down. We pick him up from the airport and he's like, pull over that gas station over there. So we pulled into the, the flying J there in Saskatoon. Yeah. He comes out with like a, with a bag of logs of Copenhagen, like, you know, like five or six logs of, of Copenhagen. And uh, he throws it in the truck and he goes, here you go, boys. I got us the cheap stuff before we get up there in Canada where it's real fucking expensive. I was like, Luke, you're in Canada and you just probably paid a couple hundred fucking dollars for that Copenhagen. Bro, that is the expensive stuff. Yeah, so that was a pretty good one. And then one year or two, he came up and he had a, he had a rental car and uh, we were all having a good time in, in Rusty's garage. And... Uh, he had some dents in the front of his rental car. We're like, what the fuck happened, man? He's like, oh, I hit a little bear. I hit a little fucking bear on the road on the way up here. We're like, a little bear? What the fuck are you talking about? It was a beaver. A fucking oh. great Canadian beaver. Luke Grunner. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We had some uh, bunch of good times, though. So, yeah, excited to for everybody to hear this interview with him because he's got such great insights and, you know, seeing the world up and down and, highest level and battled through crazy ups and downs and injuries and yeah just a all-around good dude that i looked up to my whole career yeah and that's the thing he uh, was coming to canada a fair amount you know especially with stampede and all that and um at the height of my career as well so you know got to know him in a, in in a pretty good way uh got to see some of his shenanigans that he <laughs> partake partook in but uh yeah you can't stress that enough. He was consummate professional. Road Bull's awesome. Great guy to talk to. One of them guys that just had nothing um, nothing about him. You could walk up, say hello, and have a 20-minute conversation yeah. just about stuff, right? So yeah, exactly. um, sure enjoyed him when I did get to hang out with him. One thing we talk about in the interview that we'll get to here is the uh, Alaska stories that get brought up quite a few on a few of our different podcasts with JB and Jesse and those guys had a, a blast when the PBR went to Alaska for a couple of weeks. Uh, the PRCA went to Alaska last weekend, looked cold from the videos yes. that I seen, looked like it wasn't too warm, but pretty cool to see a, a, an event going on up there. Roscoe Jarbo takes the win on Rama Boots Chrome for 90 points. So hopefully that went good and they can keep that, that going up there. So I just got, ironically got off the phone with Dennis Halstead. He was up there. Um, mm-hmm entertaining um they actually had five i think it was five ounces of gold in the bonus round for your bull in the extreme bowls and i roscoe bucked off didn't win it so it's one of the guys off of gold rush i believe of the show gold rush that donated this sorry i think it was four ounces of actual gold he said he's like you didn't believe how fucking heavy four ounces of gold is (laughs) yeah but because it didn't get one they're doubling it next year so it it works out to about twenty thousand dollars in gold if gold stays at these prices so oh shit he said yeah he said it was amazing up there like the scenery in in palmer is all surrounded by mountains um it was great he got to he got to sit through an earthquake 
quake the night before he left. So I said, <laughs> Holy fuck. he goes, I don't know about you, but when you're laying in bed and the whole building shakes for like what seems forever was six or seven seconds. He said, it, it really makes, makes you uh, pick up your head, but he yeah. said it was great. It was great. Um, you know, some Kings to work out up there, but they've never done a full deal like that other than outside like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he said it was cool. good. Can't wait to go back. I'm guessing they didn't par- probably party as hard as the PBR guys did back in the day. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Not, uh, from, not from the stories I've been getting. It was pretty laid back compared to what compared you're to talking one. about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good though. Shit. Right on. It's good to see branching out and going to different places and, yeah. uh, you know, different stuff like that going on. So get to he, see. Said, he said 5,000 people a night. Oh, cool. So. They're packing them in up there too. So that's a bucket list place to go, man. Alaska. Have you ever been? No, but I want to go and, and, uh, I want a gold mine for like two months. I don't feel like it's as fun as they make it look on TV. I think it's a fucking tough sledding job. You and me. You and me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring, we'll bring Jay's. It'll be the NFP gold mining mission. Yeah. We'll, we'll bring Jay. Yeah. <laughs> We'll bring Jason just to manage everything because he's not a doer. He's more of a, you know, teller, <laughs> teller, teller of doers. Yeah, no, I'm with you, buddy. I want to go up there. Anybody that's I've ever talked to that's went up there said it's it's amazing. So let's Fishing, do it. Hunting scenery, like oh, yeah, it just yeah. looks like it's a fucking. I mean, she'd be a fucking grind, you know, and grizzly bears and all sorts of mm-hmm. shit that wants to kill you. But that's like anywhere, Australia, same thing. Fuck, best oh, place yeah. in the world. That's so much fun over there, but. I've never seen such fucking spiders as big as your head, man. Oh my. And those were the ones they said when we were there, those were the ones that you don't have to be worried about the big ones. Those fucking see are the ones that are going to kill you. Didn't they call them fly spiders? Those big ones. I believe Uh, they were. I know I'm with you. I I'm with you, pal. When I went over there, I look up in the corner inside a house Mm -hmm. and that sucker was as big as my hand and scared the shit out of me. Yeah. We won't have to worry about spiders and because we'll be busy mining for gold. Gold, bro. <laughs> I went over well, me and Pazabon and, and his wife and my wife went and stayed at this uh, place. Actually, uh, Kirsten and Gabe Woods house. They're bullfighting guys from Australia. And we stayed with them the one night. And I went or me, me and Ty, I think, went to uh, get a water from like the living room. And we were staying in the back bedroom. And, you know, I like you fucking just like glance at something and see it. And I remember looking over and I instantly, I thought it was a Halloween decoration. You know, it was like a big spider. Like you say, as big as your fucking hand. So I remember walking by and I'm like, oh, and then thinking like, fuck, it's not Halloween. It's fucking January. And look over and I was like, do you think that thing's real? And, you know, me and Ty were like, what? No way. And we call the girls out and they fucking come out and they're looking at it. And they're like, no, that's not real. And we like threw something near it and it just fucking scattered up the dude oh we all just knocking over tables and chairs trying to get the hell out of there and then kirsten comes up and we're like dude there's a fucking huge spider in the house and he's like oh oh mike that one was in here earlier today yeah. like, the fucking thing was already in here today yeah and he just grabbed it and put it outside i'm like holy fuck yeah the same for me but yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you um 100%. hockey stuff have you been watching any of that that's been going on you know what, Tan? I really just, other than the odd highlight here and there, uh, haven't had a bunch of time to do anything. Um, it's been a little busy around here outside, but uh, 
Um, I know um, what Canadians they're playing who now? Uh, Winnipeg. So two big upsets in the first yes. round. Edmonton yes. loses, gets swept. They were supposed to win. Uh, Toronto fucking gets beat game seven to the Montreal Canadiens, which Toronto was a heavily favored pick to go right to the Stanley Cup, right? And have a chance now, to win the Cup. What do you think? What do you think Canadians Winnipeg? What do you think in that series? I want Winnipeg. Yeah, I think Winnipeg. Yeah. I didn't think either of them would get through um, each of those rounds. So everybody's brackets that we're doing the, the bracket challenges, I think we're busted <laughs> other than some maybe, but uh, that was definitely, Toronto was definitely the favorite and Edmonton was the favorite on both sides of those. Which Toronto Winnipeg was, jet, which Winnipeg jet got it in the old nutsack. I think it was Wheeler. Uh, yeah. Blake. Wheeler, yes. I think yeah. that's who it was. Yeah. I love this comment. I've already got four kids. I don't need to worry about it. So I'm okay. Slap shot to the nuts about 90 mile an hour. Fuck, would that hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Put it out there, though. It's playoff hockey, and it's been unreal exciting to to watch. The guys are giving it everything they have. Fights every night. Freaking boys are going hard in the paint. Suspensions, hits. Just, yeah. It's If you didn't like hockey, uh, tune into the the Stanley Cup playoffs right now because you'll be an instant fan. It's fucking good watching. Every game, every series has some sort of drama with it, so it's been cool. Now, did I see, hopefully this is current, did Josh Manson have a sweet overtime goal? Not is current. That, no, I was going to say, because are they even in the playoffs? You might no, want to edit that out. No, I love it. no, that's an old one, but we talked about that one on an earlier podcast when that did happen. That was That's what it was. Yeah. yeah, OT okay. winner. Yeah. You never know uh, unless you ask. So that's right. Uh, Brock Radford, Lonnie West, Bryce West, Coy Robbins headed south for the summer run. We've all talked about uh, how much fun the summer run is, especially those Chad Berger touring pro division events that go on across North Dakota and uh, Montana. There's some really, really cool upcoming events here this next month. So good luck to those boys that are stepping out of their box, going down there. They got some money saved up through the winter, doing their jobs and ready to make a run at that world final. So good for them. And uh, we'll be following along and keeping everybody updated on, on how all the boys, all the Canadian boys do down there rolling, but good to see. Yeah. I was talking to Brock last week for a little bit and he seems pumped and anxious. And I've just been seeing some social media stuff with Lonzo and he said, I've never felt better. So yep. healthy Lonnie is yeah. something to look out for. So same as Brock, healthy Brock and uh, two young guys, Koi is back healthy again. And uh, Bryce, who we had on one of the earliest podcasts that we did came and same, sang some songs for us. Uh, mm-hmm. The youngest member of the West family, uh, same thing has been a lot of injuries. So, Hopefully we can keep those boys healthy and uh, sky's the limit for them. So good for them. Logan Beaver as well, kicking ass, going down. Uh, lots of guys, Riley Gagnon, uh, probably missing quite a few guys, but really good to see the Canadian contingent take it on the world. And uh, It's been good bull riding all around. And right now a lot of the, the top guys will be taking a break to uh, to heal up and whatnot for a little while. So it's a, it's a good time for these guys to take advantage of the situation that they're sure. Go win some fucking money and get some points and make that world finals. Good watching. Yeah. Excited for them. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we're getting some Canadians, more Canadians getting down there and kicking some ass, hopefully. So by the time the next one comes out, we'll have our uh, bull riding Tannerburn Invitational presented by NFP Entertainment. That's going to be uh, kicked off on uh, June 10th, next Thursday. So we'll keep everybody updated on on how the events go 
with with uh with that it's been fucking cool man i've been uh it's been hectic it's been busy getting everything lined out and making sure we're following all the protocol we have some really special guests that i can announce not this week but once it's over i can announce who's going to be in attendance um the boys are fired up entries are full we got zane lambert uh aaron roy dakota butter jared parsonage chudowitz um nick tets just a, a great lineup lots of young guys too um that are that are rolling in uh fucking it's gonna be cool josh breeze is yeah. gonna bring in some bulls happy camper uh, as well as catch my drift last year's bull of the year so it's gonna be cool and uh looking forward to to pulling her off we got some different shit going on with uh with some tv stuff hopefully gets lined out and a lot of moving parts but just trying to get this bull riding stuff off the ground out here in saskatchewan and i've seen a lot of guys out in alberta now that regulations are changing they're doing the same thing I uh, was just trying to get shit rolling. So some fucking bull riding action, baby. Some PBR. Yeah. Yeah. I know all your hard work's going to pay off here. It's going to be an outstanding event. And the more, like you said, the more that, that you do and everybody else starts doing, the more it looks good and we can just continue to get back to a normal life. So yeah, yeah I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and with that father's day is just around the corner and you probably need a gift for your hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Imagine surprising your dad with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says your balls will thank you on the box. Their fourth-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. This is a great feature if your father or yourself do a lot of traveling. They also have other amazing products like cologne, crop mop ball wipes, crop reviver, ball toner, and crop preserver ball deodorant. Get your dad a gift that you know he will use. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code NFP20, capitalized NFP20. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls this year. Show your original home some love with Manscaped. Boom! Chaka. <laughs> there we go. All that right. last part kills me. <laughs> That's kills awesome, me. Eh? Well, uh, look forward to having you out next week for the NFP Entertainment Tanner Burn Invitational going on. Uh, you'll be doing some announcing along with Jesse Byrne. You'll be doing some announcing. Bo Byrne, Logan Calic, fighting bulls. Fucking looking forward to it, man. We'll keep everybody updated on social media as it as it goes along, so you can follow along on on the NFP pod and as well as Tanner Byrne. Uh, yeah, wherever you can find us, we'll be keeping everybody updated with these bull ridings and 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 letting you know how it goes. So once again, too, I appreciate everybody's videos. Everybody's been sending cool videos of, of wrecks and, and bullfight and shit like that into the, to the NFP page. So keep those coming. That's always good. Kurt Shepard uh, from Australia actually sent me, he was watching the 2014 world finals and I've never seen any of those rides from my first year at the world finals. So he sent me over all those and got on, made some good rides and Mickey mouse in the short round and fucking pretty yeah. cool to see those videos. So appreciate all those coming in and, and all our listeners from not just Canada, us, but all over the world. We appreciate you. And hopefully you keep coming back for more. We'll keep pumping these out. So without further ado, here's our interview with Luke Snyder. 2015 ring of honor. Luke Snyder. 
You know, it, it, it's cool for, for uh, me to be sitting here talking about Luke because I seen him come along as a little kid. You know, he, he was basically still a kid when he came around. You know, I think he had just turned 18 years old. We heard about this kid from Missouri that was just knocking the lights out everywhere, winning everything. Luke's little scrawny butt showed up, 18 years old, barely 18 years old. I mean, little bitty guy showed up and made the short go, made a couple good rides, made the short go and drew old Hollywood. And I mean, stuck it on Hollywood like Jim Sharp. Got off, kind of land. I think he might even try to land on his feet, like showing off. And that bull ride was outstanding. He was one of those guys that showed up and fit right in. You know, he, he could he could take a rasm and he could really ride. We all just heckled him and just told him how bad it was and bucked off the bull like that that he could have won so much on him. And I don't know if it was the wrong thing to tell him because he went on a tear from that point on. And, to be able to win the PBR World Finals your rookie year, uh, that's another feat because that's the hardest bull riding in the world to win. If I think of a guy that is more deserving to be a, a ring uh recipient would be Luke Snyder. I mean, the guy, we're looking at 275 consecutive events. I remember when J.W. Hart was 100 or something, I thought, man, that is crazy. I think the best and worst thing at the same time for Luke Snyder was that he became best buddies with Ross Coleman. And you got to be really tough to hang out with Ross, especially back in Ross's heyday. I kind of made it my, my kind of goal to kind of take him under my wing a little bit, which might have been good, it might have been bad in some parts. Fans love Luke Snyder. He's a happy little smiling little guy all the time. And um, it's fun to be around. He, you know, he was always a guy that, that me and him had the same uh, agent for a long time. And, and so we was always doing things together, you know, throughout the years and uh, taking pictures and whatnot. And he's been one of the guys that's been the same from the beginning, you know. He's, uh, he's never changed, you know, and that's, that's what I always thought. I always thought good of, of Luke for that. He was the first guy to win the very first last cowboy standing, and that, that was a moment that I think is kind of burned in everyone's brain. The way he finished his career for me was what was so impressive. He was riding at the end of his career like that 18-year-old kid I met in Fort Worth, Texas that rode Hollywood. He's just been a great ambassador for our sport. He's well-spoken and, and well-mannered, and, and that's what this award's about. It's, it's not just your riding, it's how well you represent the sport. And uh, There's probably not a guy in there that represents it any better than Lou. He dang sure is a character, and he knows how to, obviously he rode so great for so long, and, Won so much money and won the world finals. Uh, now today, seeing little Ollie and being seeing Luke as a dad now, and and the way things have changed, but it's been awesome. He's got this beautiful little girl Ollie. He knows what life's really about now. The 2015 Ring of Honor, Luke Snyder. Our guest today is a 13-time PBR World Finals qualifier, the 2001 PBR Rookie of the Year and PBR World Finals event champion, 2004 inductee into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, and a 2015 Ring of Honor recipient. The Iron Man of the PBR, Luke Snyder. Luke, how you doing today, my man? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us. Where are you? Uh, where are you at today? Um, I 
Iron Man. <laughs> uh, where are you at today, man? What's been keeping you busy? Oh, I'm in Ozark, uh, just kind of a suburb outside of Springfield, Missouri. So uh, in between here and Table Rock Lake down in Branson, kind of split the middle here. So pretty part of the country. Uh, you know, Missouri can get somewhat flat up north, but it's nice and hilly and a lot of lakes and rivers and caves around here. You know, Missouri's the cave state, so uh, it's pretty country where I'm at. You've been doing lots of fishing in those lakes, Luke? Yeah, yeah, Table Rock. We have a, we have a big lake uh, down here uh, just right outside of Branson. It's like 50,000 acres. It's called Table Rock Lake, so it can be really good fishing or really tough fishing, you know, covering yeah. a lot of water, and uh, it can rise and fall, uh, you know, with the weather. So it can be good. And what are you catching out of there? Like, what do you go for? Uh, Smallmouth, largemouth bass. Um, you know, you can catch some crappie in there. Uh, generally, we go out for bass. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of uh, streams and rivers around here. You can get on some trout, too, if you want to fly fish. Nice. Do you go into, like, yeah. any of the, like, fucking bass fishing has, seems like it's, like, blowing up here in the last little while. Do you, any, do, you do any of the competitions or any of that shit? It's all over TV and... I never thought it'd be like that, but do you do any of that stuff? It is. I mean, just some amateur stuff with my father-in-law. Uh, we He's got a boat, so we run out there and fish. Uh, my company, I still work for Bass Pro. I was sponsored by him, you know, for the better half of my career, the tail end. But uh, uh, they put on a company tournament, so you got a lot of people that think they're professionals uh, yeah. going out there. <laughs> so that's about as close as I get. Oh, cool. Guy, uh, before we get into all that stuff, the, the Bass Pro stuff and what you're up to today, which is pretty cool, pretty exciting stuff, but I want to jump back to your early days, man. So you're, you're uh, born, where were you born? You were born in, in Missouri, right? No, you're born in Kansas. Uh, I was born in, yeah, yeah, Kansas, which is just like, you could throw a rock over the Missouri line to where I was born pretty much. So uh, born in Shawnee Mission, Kansas. Uh, drove back across state line and, and lived. My, my folks were living in Missouri at the time. Uh, it was just a hospital. You know, Kansas City is so squirrely because there's a line drawn through it. You got Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. So, yeah, uh, yeah. born and raised in Missouri, uh, you know, up around the Kansas City area. So how'd you get into uh, to, to bull riding or, or junior rodeos or how did that kind of go about? Was it always bull riding or steer riding or other sports or, or what was your youth kind of like? You know, as a young kid, I, I fooled around with any major sport like most did, you know, uh, soccer, which I didn't like very much. But I got I got uh, to play in baseball, you know, uh, around the same time as my daughter, Jay's, you know, around six and man, I got the baseball bug and I wanted to, you know, grow up and play for the Kansas City Royals. You know, a guy named George Brett was, uh, oh, yeah. really, he was going at that time, you know, everybody knows, you know, the, when they got the pine tar on the bat, you know, and he's yeah, rushing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Or limping up to the plate to knock out that dinger. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, so he was the man. And then, uh, you know, it took a turn in 1995, so, uh, first of all, you guys got to realize I had zero rodeo background. Uh, my dad was a full contact karate guy. He was a third degree black belt. Um, he raced oh, motocross. Shit. He had a, he, he had a, uh, amateur Yamaha sponsorship. So he did all that. So the adrenaline bug was there, but he took me to a rodeo 
in uh, Kansas City, Missouri at Kemper Arena. And, you know, I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So uh, we went across to the trade show afterwards and they had a rodeo school uh, sign up there. And, uh, you know, it was, it was all me. Uh, my mom and dad probably did everything they possibly could to kind of persuade me not to do that, you know, mm-hmm. because we just watched a bunch of guys get wrecked out. But, you know, as a 10 year old, I didn't, it didn't phase me. I just wanted to do it. Um, so we signed up and there I was a couple weeks later and, uh, you know, the rest is history. So I went, I was going to be a bareback rider. So, um, they said, well, the bareback riding class is full. So we got an opening in the steer riding if you want to try that. And, you know, uh, a buddy of mine, still buddy to this day, named Seth Rice, he was in the bareback riding. He said, I'm not using my steer rope, so you can use this. I showed up. I didn't have anything. You know, I thought they provided all that stuff. Holy <laughs> so shit. I was, I was greenhorn, green as they come. But uh, I probably got on 17 steers in three days and uh, – couldn't ride one past the out, you know, the, the shoot gate, but, uh, buddy sore, but you know, craving it, craving some more. Damn. So no cowboy awesome. at all. Your dad never rode like even and tried it out or grandparents or nothing. Just fucking hopped into it. You know, like, no, dad never tried it at all. Uh, it's funny that I'll get to that in a minute, but my grandpa, the closest I got to it, my grandpa did run some cows. So we were, we had some horses. So I had a little bit of that, but my dad, uh, uh, they did a parents day rodeo and, uh, my dad, he, <laughs> we talked him into getting on a bull, you know, it was a senior bull, but in the youth rodeo, I still remember it. That bull's name was, uh, top side. Uh, and, uh, man, my, my dad, he put the vest on and everything else. And he got in there just basically no practice. And he got thumped, you know, <laughs> big old bruise all the way up his leg, up his back, you know, and he's a millwright at General Motors. So he had to limp into the office that Monday and, and climb up on a crane, you know, just sore. His buddy's like, what the hell happened? He's like, oh, you know, I got bucked off my bull. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, but funny. yeah, that's, that's dad's funny. been on one bull, one bull only. All you can see is a bull rider, I guess. Yeah, fucking A, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Did you try any of the, the karate stuff? Or I feel like that would probably help your bull ride. You hear lots of guys wrestling like Lockwood and McBride. They always talk about wrestling in school and shit and how that attributed to them being good bull riders. Is that anything you tried? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I, I wrestled too. I, I don't have any honorable mentions like, you know, McBride and Jess. They were really handy. Um, but I did it, you know, freshman, uh, my freshman year of high school, I did a full season of wrestling, just, you know, I was getting, starting to get on a lot of more amateur bulls. I did it more for like the cardio and the mat work and training, you know, it, yeah. it kept you thin to win and, uh, you know, flexible. And then I, I, I did, uh, about a couple of years of just in the, uh, karate class. I never did the tournament stuff like my dad, but I just did it more for the, uh, the workout because, it, it, both of those sports will kick your butt. And uh, it also is a different mentality, you know, because same kind of same mindset. It's you against, uh, you know, somebody else that wants to win too. So it's oh, the same yeah. aspect. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not a team sport. It's just right. you one on one. One on yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get to watch your dad just absolutely whip yeah. someone's okay, ass? Right. Uh, I did, but I was too young to remember it. But there's old VHS tapes. Um, he, you know, 
No, I mean like behind the bar, not on the mat. Like, do you ever get to oh. see him just undress somebody outside the bar one night? No, I've seen him. You know, my dad's pretty collected. You know, it's he he's uh, he's pretty collected. But I know just from his tournament days. I mean, you never want to poke the sleep the sleeping bear. So <laughs> yeah. that's definitely yeah. a guy. He was a he, badass. He kind of hugged the uh hugged the monster i guess my buddy chris douglas had a book he always get a temper sometimes you guys know him but i found a book one time called hug the monster i'm like what the hell is hug the monster and it was like a self-help book to control your temper (laughs) (laughs) tanner could have used that in his early in his late teens early 20s still could yeah so you obviously uh had to be good at what you were doing obviously or you know for your parents to not really have any idea of how the sport really ran and then to support you the way that you, that they did correct. Or were you, were you always like right from the get go, obviously you said you'd ride very good steer riding, but where you started riding bulls and stuff, junior bulls, were you pretty good at it? Is that why they supported you or why, why'd they really let you keep doing that if they didn't really know anything about it? Yeah. It's just, uh, they thought it was going to be a phase and run out. I think, you know, it's like kids get hooked on stuff when they're really early like that. And it fizzles out and you go on to other stuff, but, you know, we found a guy down the road um, that he was a really good guy to get linked up with. They had every Wednesday night, they, they roped steers. And uh, after it was over, he made a shoot for me and some other local kids. And he just run them in until there wasn't any, you know, daylight left and just, you know, had the candles burning and riding all night. So I started going more and more. And then it just, it, you know, it started clicking. And, uh, you know, after that, uh, it started getting easier and, uh, kept practicing. My dad said, you know, it's about time. If you want, we'll go enter a rodeo. And, uh, the big thing was he'd, he'd buy me a pair of shaps as soon as I, uh, you know, covered a steer at a rodeo. So we went to my very first one up the road in Missouri. Uh, and I got on this big old white flathorn steer named Casper and he just kind of bailed and jump kicked down there. And I rode him, I was 75 points. And back then there was like, 32 steer riders so i won like i was 10 years old and i won 530 bucks or something oh, yeah. never worked a day in your life since did you buddy i said i'll never see another poor day in my life this is it this is what i want to do my dad my dad got the bug too because we started traveling around the four states so he uh he'd bail me out of school half day on Friday. He'd get out of work half day on Friday and me and him would just hit the road. You know, my grandparents would take me half the time, my mom and dad, and, and we just go, you know, Missouri, Arkansas, Oklahoma, tips of Texas. And it was fun for us. We had a lot of in time and, uh, you know, we got with some good folks that really kind of put a foundation in front of me to where I didn't burn out too quick. So, uh, road steers for a long time. And then I progressed at 13. I, I uh, joined this association that was strictly junior bull riding. It was called Buckhorn Youth Rodeo Association, uh, Don and Larry Gross. And these guys were outstanding. And they had just perfect, perfect bulls. They would just jump and kick. They had big fat backs, but they would just jump and kick and, uh, you know, maybe turn back, make a couple rounds and start getting the hang of that. And then, uh, you know, I just took the progression slow and then I turned you know, 14. And before I knew it, 15 years old, I was going to these big amateur associations that were paying like five grand a pop. And, uh, I won like $72,000, uh, that next year when I was, uh, you know, just shy of 16. 
Wow. Bad. Talk about never working a day in your life again. That's yeah. not bad. No big deal. No big deal. It was, you know, that we That's, had a bunch of good amateur associations back then where you could, you know, a guy named Scott Burris, he was yeah. bucking all the bulls. He was switching pins with Terry Williams constantly. So if Terry Williams had something that he didn't quite think he wanted to take to a cup event that year or that event, Scott Burris would, he'd come down and I'd show up at an event. And so I was getting on bulls like Y1, Big Otis that, uh, you know, they're on Donnie Gay's Rex, he see this guy get jerked down this big yellow bull and it broke his jaw. And I think the week prior, he broke JW Hart's jaw. You know, I'm getting on these bulls at like 15. Um, <laughs> and, you know, lickety split. I got on him. Uh, I was like 16 years old. And I got on him at my second or third PBR Guildford Tough event ever. I got on the same bull again. Uh, and it was him that I rode, you know, as he was coming up. Well, so at, at, at 10, you won the big check. At 16, you win 72,000. Then you crack into the PBR. You were an 18 year old into the PBR, your first finals, correct? Yeah, well, I got a birthday in October, so I'd been uh, I'd been 19 for like a month. No, no matter, it's still pretty impressive. <laughs> then, you, then you go, then you go and win the world finals. Like, wow, what a career! Yeah, yeah. you know, back then I was just so so young that I when I got out there, I didn't I didn't think it was supposed to work any other way. Really, uh, I mean, I'd went out there the year prior. And I was a spectator at the finals. Uh, guy that grew up around me uh, had made it that year prior. So I went out there with him. I got behind the shoots, and I think Jerome Robinson. I think Jerome Robinson was kicking me out of behind the shoots because I didn't have a pass or something too. <laughs> but uh, it was funny because I don't know. I when I went out there my rookie year, it wasn't like all these flashing bright lights that I didn't know what to think. Cause it was, from, it was familiar to me from being out there and being around it. So, um, I don't know. I just felt a big calm out there. Um, I was riding with a bunch of the guys, uh, that I looked up to, uh, what was cool about that era I was in, you know, every era has great guys, but my rookie year was like the last year or the second, the last year of guys like, I mean, I was in the locker room riding with Jim Sharp, Gaffney. Uh, I was still putting on his shaps, you know. He had his yellow and blue shaps there. I got pictures of me on the bulls out there with Ty standing on the bucket shoot with his shaft. Just, you know, classic photos like that. And uh, Owen Washburn, all those guys. It was really cool uh, being in that era because, uh, you know, it was just neat. I was just awestruck. And, uh, yeah, you know, they kind of took me under their way. Too. They razzed me hard, but uh, <laughs> I, I love every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you're talking those names. You're talking about the founders of the sport that you capitalize at, you know. So it's, it'd be easy not only to look up to those guys because of their talent, but what they created for the, you know, at the time, you know. And look where we are 28 years later, 29 years later now, I think, aren't we? Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, to me, the PBR, the PBR is that's all it's ever been for me because, you know, what '95 when I got the bug and I started going to schools, the PBR was only two years old, but it was just so big because you know I think uh, Tough had already been a world champion in that, and uh, it was already set itself of you know the premier bull riding thing. So I just PRCA, I never even bought a permit in the PRCA. 
my, my whole entire focus was PBR and I, and everything I did was to work towards that. And, uh, every, every single bull I got on in my, my entire professional career was at a PBR event so yeah. for 13 years. Yeah. I never got on anything, but a PBR event, which is pretty neat. Yeah. That's a and in how many different countries, Canada, U S Australia. Yeah. Brazil. I, ne you, I never made it to Brazil. No, I went to Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Yeah. Um, how many trips to Australia? I went down there like 13 times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love Australia. Young, does, Glenn, does, Glenn, does Glenn Young got like a trophy or a street or an arena named after you yet? <laughs> I don't know if he does. He, uh, you know, Australia and is such a really cool place. It's like, uh, I don't know. I th have you did you ever go down there tanner yeah bro yeah i went with you yeah. uh the year you that's right the year you retired <laughs> yeah yeah we tore it up i you just remember a tough time remembering shit oh dude that's why that's, yeah. like, that's probably why luke liked it so much i know that's why i liked it too because it was just a yeah great time the people are like canadians kind of in a sense where they you know it's just like let's smash as many beers as we can and you got to get on the time zones right so like you're, the time zones are so fucked right. up and the plane ride is so long so you kind of just well luke you, you were the 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 leader that told me you just just booze as long as you can until you fall asleep and wake up the next day and then you're on the right time zone again <laughs> and we live by that <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man that, taking advice from the veterans eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. those are the young days yeah uh, man that's funny you know <laughs> speaking of places i've been uh I, I don't know if you guys know this but uh something really before all this went down oh it's been a couple of years now but beijing china this big businessman down there he somehow he gets a hold of ross coleman's cousin she's done some work down there she's like a fantastic designer so she does big scale projects so this guy wants to build a honky-tonk bar at the top of this sky rise like sky high building in downtown beijing and he wants a real cowboy to come there and entertain cut the ribbon teach everybody how to ride this bucket machine i shoot him a price and tell him you know i'm I want to sit up the front of the plane and they said, all right. So I went down to Beijing for four days and man, I'll tell you what, running around that town in a cowboy hat. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, Australia is one there. They got somewhat of cowboy hats down there. There's real cowboys down there and there's like Bush cowboys. But when you go in China, you're the only one even with a hat reminiscent of like a cowboy. So they calling you John Wayne on the streets or do they oh, yeah. know you who know, John, John Wayne is? John Wayne. <laughs> Every single picture in that bar was either John Wayne or Clint Eastwood. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, <laughs> what was the bar like? How did it turn out? Was it pretty badass? There when you left. Yeah, there'll be a Luke at the end. It was. Yeah, they did a really good job. It's called Rodeo Connection. You know, all these uh, they all you know uh, had these denim shirts on and bolo ties and cowboy hats and just running around. Just they they had imported this legit bucking machine and it was just on the ground in pieces because the guy that shipped it somehow got messed up with his passport. So I had to get out the manual and I put this bucket machine together the no. night before the opening. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how this guy, this thing might just take one kick and bolts go everywhere. But uh, <laughs> I got her put together, you know, at least they had the hydraulic base in, but uh, man, I've never checked in with that bar, but 
if I was running it, it was pretty good. But then if somebody got on the controls, I, I mean, I just don't know what kind of insurance they had because they were slinging people left and right. <laughs> I, I woke them down and I just stepped away and I said, adios, I'm heading home. <laughs> well, you'd be the perfect guy for that, though. This kind of segues probably into another good one. You're, a, you're an old uh, mechanical bullfucking veteran with your, with your party barn, are you not? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so those of you like that don't know, so we had an old horse barn at my dad's house, and uh, we uh, found a bunch of neon signs, hung neon signs everywhere, had a legit cowhide bucking bull in there, air mattress, stage, um, full wraparound bar, and I'll tell you what, every time after Kansas City PBR, I mean, it was a who's who in there, anywhere you turn around, you know, and we'd have somebody good up there playing uh sonny ledford uh luke kaufman colby yates rolled through there uh stearns county 17 i don't know if you guys remember that they used to play in there Uh, they say i'm a fucking cowboy i'm a fucking cowboy that's That's it yeah (laughs) those walls could talk oh yeah i think yeah, I was going to say that party would start on a Sunday and when when would it end? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, Wednesday, I Thursday. Still, yeah, you'd wake up. There'd be somebody sleeping on the pool table, under the pool table, uh, on the couch. Oh, man. I'll tell you one time, uh, one of the guys, uh, this old bull rider named Ned Cross. <laughs> he, uh, oh, boy. We, he was Ned's, there. Ned's he name's come up, up a like lot. three or four times on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> We painted him up with, uh, it was ear tag marker for a calf, and, and they painted oh. his face all up, and uh, that stuff does not come off easy, and um, somehow that one was especially loud night. Somehow the, the county cops got called or something. They come in there, you know, all right, everybody, turn it down, turn it down. They shine the light on Ned, and they're like, what in the heck, and uh, they just couldn't help it they started laughing and you know that one cop had his buddy take a picture back then it's like a flip phone he's like taking a picture of him by bed and he's like all right you guys just keep it down uh and he left so next day ned gets up and he goes to the airport and uh he's still no somebody just dropped him off to check out he's in line to check in he walks up there and that lady's like uh no yeah, <laughs> you're uh, you're not flying till that comes off. He's like, till what comes off? <laughs> it it's always like, it's like that. So days after days, and you'd think that that'd be the end of it, and then another another day would come, and another one would start. That's right. <laughs> I've had those. It's always funny as long as it ain't you. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the truth. Luke, go back to the to the first world finals though in two thousand and one, which is wow, yeah, long time ago. And you rode a bull in the short round named Clayton's Pet. Maybe walk us through the whole the whole finals. Just uh, you're probably still in high school, like you said, nineteen years old. But how did that? What bulls did you ride there, and how did it kind of come to to be to win that that championship, which is the next biggest championship next to a world title, really? Well, it. Uh... I don't know. A lot of people don't know this, but my very first bull that weekend started off, uh, he came out backwards and just kind of jumped around there. And I was only like 75 points with an option. And I took it immediately. So, uh, my re-ride was a bull called say la vie, uh, Don Kish bull. And he's like a little wolf man acting type bull. He just jumps out there and spins really fast. So, uh, 
Actually, I might have been 81 on that first run. Regardless, my whole week started with a re-ride, and then I, I had to run across the other side and get on him, uh, I think, at the very beginning of the second section. So I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. So I went over there, and I ended up riding him uh, for like 89, which, uh, yeah, 89. And that didn't – that even back then it was tough. I think that was fifth or sixth oh, for the night. Um, and then the next day I got on uh, – Mighty Joe Young. So he was a bull. I mean, you should always ride. You should never fall off. He was a cute little fuzzy muley. Uh, turned back to the left every time. But if you stubbed your toe, he was going to get you on the ground. But uh, he turned back. I, you know, rode him. I think I was 88. Again, I think that was until I, I, I maybe took a eighth or ninth in the, in the round that night. So... Finally, uh, the third night, I, I had Slick Willie. Back then, it wasn't a draft or anything, but you just got what you got. But uh, Slick Willie. So I'd had some history with him. He was a bull of Terry Williams. He'd start one way, go the other way, jump high in the air. Really fun bull. I'd, I'd been on him two times prior to that. And 7.9 both times. He bucked me off at the Tough Edelman Challenge uh, at 7.9 to win it uh, earlier that year. So, I, I mean, I was – Hell bent. This sucker Payback. was not going to butt me off. He's going to shoot me off. So, uh, got on him and it worked out and I was 90. So I started, I took third in the round there, second. And then it went on to, uh, Clayton's bet. No, I got on a bull called Dodge Rep. Oh, Canada. Yeah. Dodge Rep. Ray Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he was great. He faked to the right, turned back to the left. And, uh, you know, as soon as, as soon as he turned back to the left, I just, I was just in his own that week. I felt tapped off on everything. It's like when, when you feel that way, it's like, it's the best feeling in the world because your confidence is like an all time high. You just know every time you slide up, you're going to ride something. But it, the trick is, to keep carrying that out through the week because you got to sleep at night. The next day is a new day. Yeah. So you got to, you got to keep springboarding off that, but after and you Dodger, are in Vegas and you I was are going to say, yeah, try to sleep. That's right. <laughs> and even though I was 19, we all know that doesn't matter. You can get around yeah. things. So. Uh, <laughs> Did Dodge rep get you uh, a check? Dodge rep got me a check. He sure did. Um, he, uh, but what was cool about that is because, you know, he was really great. I think I was 89 and a half, but he turned back to the left and was really good. But at that point I knew I was ready no matter what I had, because I hadn't, I honestly hadn't even looked how the, the short round's going to fall out. Um, so I came in to the short round first. Okay. So therefore, no matter what happened, I was going to be the very last guy out at mm -hmm. the finals that year. So Needless to say, there's a bunch of guys. There's some great bull rides that night. Great, great bull rides. Uh, Corey, one really sticks out. Corey McFadden rode Mossy Oak Mudslinger for like 96 and a half, and he faded all the way across the arena in that yeah. little Thomas Mack pen. Um, but the ride right before me, Paulo Krember, he comes out on uh, Happy Hour, I think his name, Red and White Bull. Got a lot of guys. Anyway, he jumps out. And tips Paulo into his riding hand, like as far as you can get tipped, like your dang head's almost hitting the ground. And with those ropes pulling from the other side, he hangs on. This bull's moving away from him and he's off into his hand. It's moving away and then comes back under it. He's right back in the middle. Yeah. So 
he stays on. I think he's only like 83, 80, maybe 85, but he's first. So it's like, I'm on base loaded. It's mine to win or lose. So, uh, you know, they're going nuts, rightfully so. He's going to win second no matter what. They're going nuts. They're waving the Brazilian flag. They rush out in the arena to him. There's like six people and I'm sitting down on my bull's back, you know, and uh, just laser focus, you know, and I, I love the fact that I had Clayton's pet. I'd never been on him. He's just this big old white mushy bull. Like when you pull your rope, your hand just sinks down into him. He's got a back on him about that wide, you know, uh, it, it, he'd be super hard to fall off of guys, you know, anything worth the salt. So he came out faked right like he does and just around to the left. And it, it was just slow motion. Like as soon as he turned, I just knew, you know, that I, I got him rode. And it was just like, I don't know. It, it was a feeling that I can't really describe. And, Were you counting uh, some money at about six seconds, Luke? Like, did you? I mean, I'm not going to you... lie. Yeah, it was going through my head all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, you don't want to do something stupid, like pull your hat off and fan him at seven seconds or start saying this and you're thinking and get slam dunk. But it was just like the culmination of things. Like, here I am. This is the big stage. I just freaking did it jumped off and I didn't know what to do with my hands. I think the video, I just start, you know, doing, I don't know what to do with my hands dance, but, uh, it was, it was just surreal. <laughs> I mean, oh, I remember man. Ty coming out and Justin and them hat whooping me and Ross and Ross. everybody else. So it was just, uh, it was a fantastic. What was moment. the, what was the check in 2001 for winning the finals? Uh, 150 or was no, it yeah, it was uh yeah. so I I I'd done all right in some rounds too. I don't know. I want to say I got out of there that weekend with 346. Damn. Not a bad start, uh, eh? As a yeah. 19-year-old yeah. set up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still in high school. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. And round. I came home, you know, after that weekend. It was neat. Uh you know, all my buddies were waiting there. Uh at my dad's at my house and we had this big bonfire pit, you know, like half of my high school buddies were or half of my high school almost. And all my buddies were there waiting on me, just hooping and hollering. But one of the coolest thing is they, they picked me up at the airport and then go through a certain part of town and this, and the Sonic had changed the big billboard to, uh, you know, congrats Luke. So I thought that was cool. Oh, that was <laughs> that we always went, that yeah, we always yeah. went to, you know, yeah, like, cool. Hey, cool. My name's on Sonic. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> Does that stand out as uh, as your biggest, looking back now that you've been out of it for a few years, is that your biggest accomplishment? Or would you say last Cowboy standing? What do you, what's your, looking back, your biggest accomplishment in your career? Well, they're, I think they're both special in their own way to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely have to say PBR finals that year. I mean, that was, that was my ultimate accomplishment in the arena, probably riding wise, but the last Cowboy st standing to me is just like after a roller coaster, few years of definitely not performing like I think I would, you know, getting banged up a little bit to come back. The last Cowboy standing was my 300th event. I didn't have a lick of sponsors on my shirt or anything. Uh, so I ended up winning that thing. Uh, my, my 300th event, you know, I got on some great bulls. And it just proved to myself. And I think that it ultimately like proved to, you know, sponsors come to you when you're riding good. I think it proved to them that I've kind of dedicated, rededicated myself to, uh, 
to the sport and what I wanted out of it. So then it started all changing again. So it was a proud moment for me because it allowed me to finish the last half of my career like I started it and, and right. kind of go out on my terms. You know, you said that's interesting, Luke, when you say that, not a, not a stitch of thread in your shirts because you – you had some of the biggest endorsements throughout the start of your career and middle of your career as anybody. Um, and I remember watching Chris Shivers retire and he had no big sponsors on him. And I'm just like, you guys, this is, this is Chris Shivers. You know, it's, it's kind of disappointing to me. And, you know, Tanner is working with me now in the agent business and, you know, we're, we, we sell guys on who they are and what they've done. And, uh, disheartening to see that you know when when a guy's given that much like yourself or chris shivers and then you're you know at your 300th event which that in its own right is a major accomplishment right there and you don't have anybody that thinks that you're you know you're not that you're not good enough to be there but they feel they'd rather be on the 19 year old you know and shoot three instead of you and shoot one i I never got that. I don't like that. I struggle with that with, with, with Aaron Roy with some today, still to this day, he's the only three-time champion of Canada. We got, what are you talking about? Who else do you want? Right. But you know what? I'm not the guy writing the check, I guess. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. No, it's, it's like that, you know, uh, you know, passing the torch type of thing. You know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, I think Chris Shivers, uh, you know, he's one of the all-time legends, greatest there was. And, and you know, Ariat um, is still with him. And, and I think they, they suck by him. And it's great when guys like that because, uh, you know, it, it's like the Rash Brothers and Jack Daniels. You know, yeah. when they signed them way back when, that wasn't a, a just a, a career thing. That went on. When, the way they set up their deals is where that would be lifetime you know, their, their representatives and the way they set up. So it's just smart. And, and I think guys nowadays are way better than they ever have been about it uh, with these sponsorship things. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's what I always say. I mean, now you can make some really great money in this sport, but I'll tell you what, it, it, it ends soon. And there's a new, there's another one of you right behind you. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's what it is. That's just the facts of it. You know, you get, and, and it happens to us fast because this is a very young man's sport and uh, it'll, uh, it'll chew you up and spit you out. And you just take what you can get from it while you can and, and put it away, you know, as wisely as you can, you know, invest in land, whatever you do, you know, just, just know that, uh, you know, one day it's still a lot of life to live, a lot of great life to live, but bull riding and this rodeo thing, that is just a, a small chapter of what yeah, the big picture. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Did it take you a while to to realize that, Luke, after retiring? We talked to a lot of guys on this pod. Uh, one of the biggest struggles is is after retirement, trying to figure out what the hell to do. And you lived your whole life this way for so many years. You talk about it now where, you you know, as you say it's such a small piece. Was it always like that? Did you transition pretty easy or was there some, some tougher time, especially a guy like you that went so long? Yeah, yeah. Um... I would say, you know, I transitioned pretty easy. It was a good, it was a decision for me to retire one, because I, I mean, I still think I could compete, but another one, uh, my daughter was on the way. So to me, just, per, I know some guy, I, th- I mean, I think there's such cool aspects of kids getting able to see their parents do something awesome and, and, and travel with them and see that. 
But to me personally, I don't think I could have put the mindset to it when I had a, another little person. Oh, yeah. Vision for me, but it's like, you know, that, uh, that Chris Ledoux song or whatever, when the feeling comes back, you know, every now and then you'll still get it. You'll, you'll see something or you'll watch something or talk to one of your buddies uh, or a younger guy that's hitting the road, you know, part of you still misses it for sure. But, uh, you know, talking about transition out of that, I, I had a great sponsorship as you, as you say, I had a lot of great sponsors, but uh, Bass Pro was a really great sponsor and, and, they're based in Missouri. They were started in Missouri. So they were on my side and, uh, I transitioned, uh, I took one year off where I didn't do anything, but just enjoy family and enjoy retirement. I didn't do squats. So then I went and interviewed at Bass Pro, just like anybody would, you know, really and just seen what uh, made sense for me. A couple of, uh, positions came up that I, I thought looked interesting. It was, uh, the first one I took was I was, a. uh, brand specialist for our hunting department. So any of our in-house brands, I would like um, go out and make sure the product was up to par, go out on location to photo shoots and make sure they were using it right, uh, magazine ads, TV spots. So I learned a lot there. I, I held that for about a year. And then I, uh, I went into a marketing role. I started as a marketing specialist and uh, I kind of just worked with our sports partnerships and some of our uh, national partners and that was I learned a lot there and then I came over the boat side of things in White River and I learned a lot about how our boats are built and made and as of recently I transferred we got into the off-road business so I came over and now I'm heading up all of our dirt business with uh, Tracker Off-Road and uh, it's just been fun it's really great learning I've kind of seen a lot of all the corners of the business and uh, you know it's it's a great mentality around there uh, just because, you know, everybody's outdoorsman and everybody's, uh, yeah. you know, got the same right. goal in mind. And it's as big as Bass Pro Cabela's now, uh, they've acquired Sportsman's Warehouse. You know, as big as this company is, uh, it's still the last private owned company of its magnitude out there, I think. So it's privately owned. So there's still that family feel to it, uh, which is wild, you know, and, and, you know, that's a, goes out to Johnny Morris, you know, he wants, he likes to do things a specific type of way. If you've ever been mm-hmm. into a basketball, you just see the attention to detail. Yeah. That's still very hands-on. And, and, uh, you know, as long as you can stay private like that, you got a lot of say in what happens. Damn. Yeah. You don't have a board, you don't have a board or shareholders telling you what to do. That was a long winded part of it, but anyway, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm still with them and, uh, I like it. Uh, been, been awful fun. Shit, yeah. Well, you were always, you know, I know when you come to Canada, Luke, we use you for PR a bit. And, and, uh, so it's no surprise you're finding success after bull riding in that role that you just explained. Like it's just, it's right up your alley. You know, I saw you, you know, when you come up and help Tanner and Jesse with the school and Rusty had you after very little sleep, I might add too. Rusty had you entertaining some sponsors and what, like you just, you get it. You, you, uh, you know what? You get your press shirt on and your hat was never, ever, you never had a crease in, in Luke Snyder's hat. You always looked the part <laughs> and uh, you just, you just did it, man. You did it. So no surprise on, on this end for me, knowing how successful you are on the business side. Uh, congratulations, buddy. 
Oh, no, I appreciate it, Jason. Yeah, you guys are always really good at, to me up there. I love coming to Canada for bull riding and still like going up there for fishing or whatever. Uh, but whenever, whenever y'all let us back in, I guess, but I know how it goes. <laughs> oh, you want it? No, yeah, we, we don't need another we don't, we don't need, <laughs> last six or eight pods we've, we've ripped on the government. So we won't, we won't get into it this time. Yeah, no, no. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the time. Uh, I remember you, like when you retired, we were all kind of, we were still on tour and like, we'd be following up with what you were doing and you were on all these crazy hunts in Australia and New Zealand and all these crazy ass places. And what about the, the fishing trip that, that Ty Pazabon and yourself and you guys all, all went on over there. Can you tell us about that one? Ty was obviously a, a great friend. He gets brought up all the time on this podcast, but a great friend uh, with you as well. And somebody that, he looked up to when he first got on tour, he always talked about Luke and you got to hang out with you and at our schools and all that stuff. So uh, maybe you can touch on that and, you, and your relationship with Ty. And you still owe him the hat too, by the way. We still need that for you. I know. It's <laughs> right down here. I should have got it out for this episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man. Yeah. So my, the very last bulls I ever got on was down in Australia. Uh, it's like a month after the PBR final. So um we were all down there. You, we ended up in your room afterwards, played the guitar till like four. Well, the next day. Well, the next uh, day. It was breakfast yeah. time. The next day, you know, we have an opportunity to go out on a fishing boat uh, out on the barrier reef. Well, it was a live aboard type of boat with a fishing boat, uh, you know, that would follow us. So it was just, you know, a really, really awesome trip that we were fortunate to take. So, I took Posse and Jade uh, and, uh, you know, Matt West was Harv Stewart. Yeah, I was there, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Ty, I, he, had said, he had said that, uh, I don't know, you guys probably know better than me, he hadn't been much more than like a little maybe lake or pond fished up there or something. I don't think he'd been out on much big bodies of water. So, no, not, not much of an outdoorsman uh, <laughs> by any means. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, so he's already got a big cast on his arm. He's just like, I don't care. I'm not going to miss this. I'm going out there. So we got him in the middle of the Great Barrier Reef with not anything in sight on this boat. And his poor wife, Jade, she is just gets deathly sick when we're going out there. And she gets seasickness. And there, if you know anything about seasickness, I mean, you don't get over it. Uh, until either you jump in the water or it just runs its course. And uh, so he's like, all right, Jay, well, you better go in there and get some sleep because I'm going fishing. <laughs> so we went out there, <laughs> caught him a bunch of ocean fish, and uh, he uh, hand-lined a big shark up. We put some meat out one night, and he hand-lined a shark up. Well, anyway, the next day, there's a scuba instructor there, and she's like, well, you guys want to get in the water? And I was scuba certified. Uh, Ty obviously was not, but we put him a snorkel on him. And uh, I said, well, I'll just go snorkel with Ty. So we go out there and, and when you're in the ocean, in the barrier reef, you can just be swimming and just have all this uh, land kind of under you, not too deep. And then you'll just come off a shelf and it's just a black hole. Well, we came up on one of those and Ty looked over that and it was just black and he started crawfishing back. And I mean, it's like he had, paddle on his ass because he couldn't make it back to the boat fast enough and uh he wouldn't get back in the water i actually got a picture uh, of he's on this little rubber dinghy and he's making the lady 
swim and pull him back to the boat and this <laughs> diving dinghy. Yes. <laughs> but uh, it was a great memory I had with him. You know, we, we spent four days out there and, uh, you know, like I said, caught a lot of fish and uh, it, it was a hoot. But man, he was so scared of sharks. It, I mean, just he wouldn't even put his toe in the water anymore because I, I'd mess with him a little bit, swim up behind him, grab his foot. So it was part of me to explain. I'm scared shitless. Yeah. No shit. yeah. <laughs> what's one of the, what's probably the craziest thing that you've hunted? I remember, where, where, did you do the hunts for like the, uh, the museum and shit didn't you guys go on like a big hunt where you had to just get like all these different sorts of animals what's kind of maybe the craziest we got a lot of hunting people that listen in or what's kind of the coolest hunt that you can recall yeah i was fortunate to go on some pretty neat hunts uh and then we used to do those hunts with uh ford outdoors so uh me and mcbride went on a stag hunt one time i killed a a really big stag on the north island of new zealand he was like uh, I mean, just crazy. He was the old guy. So, um, I wasn't out there necessarily to take one that big, but, um, you know, when you sit around the fire and start talking to the owners and out there, you start doing some wheeling and dealing and, and he knew he was getting old and some of the younger stags were getting the better of him. So after that, the next day we started, uh, for the next two days, we started putting a move on him and, uh, I ended up taking him and I think he scored like 475 or something, uh, which is, <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, did you get him brought home? I may be saying that he, he was really big. He was, he was massive, but yeah, he's home and they full body mounted him and, and uh, he's in the Bass Pro uh, Wonders of Wildlife Museum here in Springfield. So that oh, was a really sorry. cool hunt. Um, I was able to go to Africa, uh, spend a couple weeks down there and that was probably about the scariest hunt I've ever been on just the fact that everything down there much like Australia wants to kill you and can but uh you know I'd be in the same area where you know you'd come over a hill and you've been hunting there for an hour and a half or something there's a whole pride of lions you know that could easily get to you yeah. and the guides you know got this the big stick on his shoulder <laughs> having you back out slowly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. But the one thing, you know, people just messing with you, telling you stories about the black mama down there and everything. Like if it bites you, um, you don't even have a time to write a letter to your loved ones before you die and all, all this stuff. And like, fuck. Yeah. So they got me all fired up about that. And you walking through this super tall grass and everything that crushes or moves, you're like, Cause these black mamas, they said, they'll just go as quick as you can run flat out and then they can stand up, you know, at a high level. So that was the one thing that scared me the most out of that. It was a dang black mama, but the odds <laughs> of seeing one are like slim to none. I mean, I find out, but if yeah. you do, that yeah. thing is like the black death is what they call it. And they said, there's been, you know, reports of guides like just being bit back in the old days and just slitting their wrists on the spot. Cause there was a better way to go. Oh, no. Jesus. Yeah. No, so what are they, are they bite you and how do you die from a black mama? Like what's the story? They can pump like so much venom in you. So supposedly they pump so much venom in you that it just like uh, causes you to go into shock and like convulsions enough to like, it, it just total nervous system shut down. Not the way you want to go. Okay, Luke. So uh, record 
record setting career world finals win um the most most consecutive events on tour take over jw's title as the iron man of the pbr uh one of the best to, to ever tie your hand to them when you get the call that you're being inducted into the ring of honor that is for those that don't know for bull riding world that's the hall of fame that's the ultimatum you fucking did her you're a chap how'd you get that call and what does that mean to you oh man uh I was, I remember it. I was sitting in the living room playing around with my daughter and, uh, seeing my phone ring, you know, Sean Gleason had called and, uh, I just thought, you know, he's got to shoot the breeze every now and then I'd, I'd talk to him and, uh, he's kind of small talk. Hey, what's up? Well, nothing. What's going on with you? He's like, well, I was just, you know, thinking about giving you the ring out there in Vegas. What do you think? And I was like, kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it as quick. You know, usually, you know, it happens to a guy a little bit later down the road or whatever, but, uh, you know, it's the year after I retired, uh, you know, they immediately gave Chris his right after he retired that same year, rightfully so. And then the next year, um, it was me. And I, and I actually that year it was just me. Uh, it was a single introduction. So, uh, it was pretty neat to just go out there and see all the old guys. But what really hit home to me is just, all the guys before me that wear the same one, you know, uh, still here or not with us. I mean, it's just wild. The fact that, you know, Wayne got it posthumously, you know, it's not just current guys. It goes way back. Right. Jim shoulders, um, you know, all those guys. So it, it was just special to me. You know, I never got my world championship, but that was my world championship right there. hundred percent. So uh, it just capped off, you know, it made it made all the struggles, all the long trips down the road, all the flights, miss baggage, met, made it all worth it right there. When I went out and slipped that thing on, it really did. Damn. Yeah. Elite, you know, like what's one of the elite, not of your time, but of all time. Right. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. Uh, it's, it's wild. I, you know, I, so cool. I must've had a, you know, maybe I got a, compromising picture of somebody out there or something that I was able to slip in there. I don't think that's why you got in there, but I do think you have quite a few of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, what a, the, the, there's two stories that always kind of keep getting brought up right from, from JB to Jesse to uh, a bunch of different guests that we've had on uh, one of the, well, we'll start with, we'll start with Calgary, I guess. Were you part of the, uh, the escalator trip with, with Jesse? I was right there. <laughs> I was right there. Right there. I was right there. I was probably 15 feet away. Oh, uh, what do you remember yeah. about that? Oh, that's yeah, I remember it happening like slow motion. I was just like, no, and just trying to get to him. No chance of getting to him and just watching him disappear. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my gosh. We just lost him. He is. He's gone. He's gone. And he's up. By the time I get to the ledge and look over, the little sucker's already springed up. Like, ah, like, oh, some bitch. You know, he's already rubbing his back. Oh, remember uh, the the bark, the bark oh. off of his back the night. I didn't see it till the next day in the dressing room, and it was. Oh uh, man, I mean, it's like right where the escalator it just pinched him, and you could see perfect, like five teeth right on his back. Yeah. Oh. And he fought. He fought bulls. You know the next the next all day and the next day and the next day. And, you, know, Can you imagine that chest protector, a little sweat, how that would feel on that. Oh yeah. Gosh, dang. Yeah. 
And then the uh, next yeah. one, the next one I wanted to ask you about was for those that, that don't know you, Luke, like you were always a guy that you were never afraid to like to spend money. You know, you were you were always the guy to, to pay for everything. And you were, you know, you're always there for the guys buying supper and and just that guy, like just the nice guy. Um, Alaska always gets brought up. Or did you have any uh, experiences in Alaska that maybe were uh, a fun time or a little scrappy time? Maybe your, your dad's black belt Taekwondo came out. <laughs> oh man, who are you getting your intel from? Is what I'm uh, he does a hell of a job finding the dirt. Yeah. This guy. Oh, oh they're man. All good. Yeah. They're so all good. I'll tell you one funny thing uh, in Alaska too. I got on at, we were in Fairbanks and I got on this bull and won the first round. So whoever won the round got a chance to get on a bounty yak. And uh, it was, they kept this thing in the back and it was a little mean ticked off thing. It had a backbone, you know, like a, like a yak. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's old scraggly tail. And they're like, yeah, you, get on the bounty act for five grand, you know, if you ride him. And I was like, oh shit. All right. So I put my rope on him, you know, and I'm like, it's to the side of his backbone. I slide up there and I'm just like, I mean, luckily my daughter was born. So, uh, I, he, this thing jumps out there and just flat spins, chases his tail, just hooking my shafts. I was like 72 points Get off. This stock contractor is nowhere inside. He's gone. 5,000 bucks that he, you know, it, it starts going down. No, it was a thousand. I think I got like 500 bucks out of the deal. So (laughs) it was, uh, it was kind of a squirrely deal when you go to Alaska, really the only things up there is just a big military base and, uh, everybody likes to go to the bar and tie one on and end up fighting before the night's over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not much of a fighter. I never was. And you can probably tell by the looks of me. Oh man. Okay. Well, uh, well, I got a couple more, but I don't know. We might have to get you back because I got pages and pages of, of good stuff on you, but bulls like Zandy bulls like Hollywood, um, Clayton's pet legends of the time, wild Out. Um, what stands out for you as, as your best ride of all those years, werewolf was a 94 highest score, um, but maybe not highest score. Maybe what stands out for you as just your coolest ride that you can remember now looking back? Oh man. Uh, you know, I was, I was 94 on werewolf, but that was by no means a 94 point ride. Uh, it it might've been that night, the way that it was stacking out, but you know, uh, by far not, you know, the top of the line, but, uh, I don't know. Hollywood, um, probably really stands out to me cause he was just the dude, he was probably the big, kind of scary head hunter like if you ride him you're gonna win it type of deal and i got on him uh like tough human challenge which is like my third one i'd ever went to and i had him and i was gunner that night so that means i was the first guy out to shoot i had uh i had hollywood and i remember you know tough walking up to my shoot he was a shoot boss and he looks at his clipboard and he kind of looks up at me and he does that glancing he looks back up and he looks at Hollywood and he just like walks off like it's the last time he's ever gonna see me. <laughs> you know, you're in these wood shoots, you know, and he's just everything's cracking and rattling. But anyway, I was just honestly too scared to fall off. But he turned back right there in the gate, uh, and I was ended up like 93 and a half on him. And uh, I went to get off of him, and 
before I hit the ground, he scooped me up. He threw me all the way up, like level with the crow's nest. Brett Hoffman used to be a writer for us. He says he's looking me right in the eyes. And he's like down on the ground waiting on me, you know, just to camp on me some more. And I hit the ground on my feet running. And I got the funniest pick of me in the alley, looking back, like full run pose and both of his horns on either side of me. They showed it at uh, that night I got inducted, but uh, that was probably the one that sticks out. He was a bad dude, but uh, I ended up staying on him. And and that still to this day, after all these years is the one that really stands out to me. And I'd love to find that thing on video, but probably heck out of luck. There's more, there's been more of those popping up though. There's been somebody on Facebook here lately popping a bunch of old videos up that, that I've been noticing. So maybe it will resurface at some point that people didn't think were going to be around. Yeah, no, I know. I that guy, uh, I, I've been watching that. It's pretty neat. They're putting up all, all kinds of old videos. So it's been neat to kind of, yeah. kind of watch lately. McBride talked about Hollywood as well. Talked about that, that that was his, one of his highest or best rides just when he was young too same thing to Rimpro. kind of the same story really it might have been fort worth as well it's crazy actually to yeah yeah mcbride read him a couple times i remember and yeah. uh, then one that, another one that slipped and went on tv well, i read perfect storm one time when he was bucking really hard i was like 91 on him but uh it, another same deal he was just really bad flip over in the box kind of mean uh he was kind of oh, tough yeah. at the time so probably those two rides a legend did they tie did they really tie his foot down below uh like underneath the chute jason i don't know if you know this they hadn't started but did they do that Luke? they used to tie his like put a loop around his foot so he wouldn't yeah i feel like the bottom bottom of his foot so he wouldn't maybe luke and i don't know that's what i heard yeah no you're right they they hadn't started doing it to him uh yet when i got on him then he got to getting really bad of just just gator rolling in the chute like about the time you finally got your app he did straight up gator roll and uh, Aaron Seamus was getting on him uh, at Fort Worth and he did that. He gator rolled and you see Ross Coleman coming from the top rope like macho man. And he's down in there with Aaron in this bull. And he just grabs Aaron, comes out of there with him over his shoulder. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. Uh, you know, all any of the old guys, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but Aaron, mm-hmm. You know, grinder always like Ross. You saved my life that year. Uh, I, you, you know, <laughs> oh, shit. it was wild. But yeah, they. So what they do is they'd come across from the bottom and tie that one foot that he'd like to barrel roll from the opposite direction, so he couldn't have yeah. that slack to to get it going. That's crazy. God. Yeah. As a shoot rooster, the shoot boss, I just say leave that prick at home. No <laughs> he thanks. Was so good. Yeah. He's I so want to get this I, done. As long as, as soon as he left the shoot, he was. It's fantastic, but it was just getting out of there. Getting out of the box. Oh man, that's cool, Luke. We appreciate you um, joining us here today. We won't keep you much longer, as I said. But uh, our infamous question that we ask everybody on this show: This is the NFP podcast. I want to know. I think I already know from the stories that you've told. But what does hashtag NFP mean to you? <laughs> oh man. Uh... I know it doesn't stand for this, but I'll just say like no free passes because everything you got, you got to earn it. So, I, I mean, it, it, it goes for bull riding or whatever. I mean, if anything that, anything that you get, if you put in a hundred percent and, and dedicate yourself to it, I mean, it, it's always, it's always sweeter reward when you know you put in the time. So I think whether you're working cows or punching a clock in the, and coal mines or whatever it's just rewarding when when you when you give it your all and 
and you get rewarded for it in the long run, I think. Bam. Yeah, I like that. Hang on. Dang That's nice. the clean version. We yeah. might be able to we we should might use that to, one. Yeah, might, might be able to sell a brand a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, open it up to a wider audience. Yeah, Walmart might take us on. <laughs> yeah. Luke, looking back now that, that your career sure. is 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 past now and finished as the the eighteen year old kid that that you remember that the road Clayton Spetton won that world finals, the guy that you are now, what would you what would you say to that kid or or to to a bull rider that's you know just starting to get on tour? What advice would you have for them? Oh gosh, I mean that's that's something that no matter what you do, I think any athlete for one wishes that they could go back and do that. I mean, there's, there's always something that you think you could have done better. Um, I would just tell that kid, you know, just to, just to slow down enjoy every minute of the ride, you know, um, appreciate the small stuff. You know, it's not always about just getting to the event, getting on the airplane, you know, going to the hotel and the event, you know, there's, there's a lot of the world out there, you know, that I've been fortunate to see after the fact, but I mean, we rode in every single major city for, you know, 13 years, we'd hit 43 major cities a year in all these countries and, you know, just get out there. I mean, and, and enjoy every minute of it. I'd, yeah. I'd tell that kid, long story short, I'd tell that kid to slow down and take it in a little bit. Yeah. That's, that's a, good. that's a good statement right there. Yep. Stop and smell the roses. That's, that's a, a good one. saying that's that yeah. stood the test of time. Okay, man. Well, we appreciate you. And and uh, before I let you go, I just want to say, you know, from me, I appreciate everything that you did for me, probably through my career, without knowing it as well. When you when you came up here and started doing these schools, uh, I was kind of on the edge of of getting on tour or or being a half good bull rider and learning from you and and Pazibon, the the even just the the form of bull riding, the style that you guys had in the actual sport and then outside the arena as well and just holding yourself and taking care of business and having fun, man. I, I appreciate everything you did. And, and uh, I know you always talk about Michael Gaffney being a guy that you looked up to and, and helped you so much in your career. And maybe, maybe he didn't know that too. And you said that in your uh, speech when you retired and, and I just wanted to let you know personally that, that you were the Michael Gaffney for me. You were the guy that, that did that for me. And I always looked up to and, and helped just from knowing you personally and, and doing those schools and shit and uh, helped me out a lot through text messages and all the support through over the years. So I appreciate you, uh, you big time in that, in that sense. Oh, man. Well, oh, you- I, I appreciate, I appreciate that Tanner, but I'll tell you what, man, you, you, you always had it in you that's for sure. And, and especially, you know, for getting your fill out of the bull riding thing, which you did so- so well and transitioning and being just as just as an outstanding bullfighter i mean you you've always had the fire in your gut man but i sure appreciate that and happy to call you a part too yeah i'm gonna go get a tissue (laughs) (laughs) no you know what but all you know luke i got to be around you at a few of those events in the u.s running the shoots for cleat and calgary stampede and then you got you know obviously you come up to some of our canadian events and you you treated everybody the same. That's one thing I always remember. My boys, I remember we went, I think we went to a lacrosse game before the Edmonton event and and you sat with, with Jackson, you know, he's 15 now. He was about three at the time. And, you know, I, I just remember that, how good you were with my with my boys and and everybody else around you. It didn't matter. You always took the time and um you know, any of these young people out there listening to this podcast, if, if they're looking for a role model, 
Luke Snyder should be at the top of their list and pull out some video or ask some stories about Luke Snyder because he uh, he was a scholar and a gentleman in my opinion and I really mean that Luke. Uh, I appreciate it Jason really guys you, you guys were too kind but we had a lot of fun and and it ain't over trust yeah, me yeah. that's another thing I'll say anybody laugh doesn't end it's still a bunch of fun and and ready to roll you guys can attest to that so uh, I appreciate it guys and like I said Hopefully we can all get together here for too long. Amen. Hell yeah. And if you're going to ask Luke Snyder stories, make sure that they're the, the PG versions. <laughs> a true legend of the game, a Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever tie his hands to the back of a bull. This has been our interview with Luke Snyder.